It's the Lockdown Lowdown. I'm your host, Andrew Stupart, and back from podcast purgatory, it is none other than Gilles Alexander Pope. It's good to have you back. Your gentleman co-host. It's good to be back here, as do always. You, do you like how I threw, uh, had a little shout out to the, to the French-Canadian uh, official first name? Uh, you know, it's not my favorite thing to go by, but you know, I guess I'm an adult now and I just have to accept it at some point. You just so. have to accept that every time you look at that driver's <laughs> license or any piece yeah. of government issued identification, like you're not Alex Pope, you're Shields oh, yeah. Alexander Pope. Uh, your, your pronunciation is just a Gilles, freaking nightmare, Gilles, nightmare. It's a Gilles. nightmare. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, I haven't, I was in French immersion, but that was 20 years ago. So I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Like a, a Gilles, like a soft Gilles, G. Gilles. Um, it's okay. a, it's a, my parents wanted to name me after my, my dad's uncle yeah. who, who is French lived in Montreal Okay, uh, because, uh, cause his dad was kind of never around for reasons I won't go into. Okay, um, So it's kind of like a nice thing that they, they tried to do, but yeah. it, kind of backfired it really ended up just destroying your adult life all through i remember in university every (laughs) class i'd be like is and they're do roll call in university is like is Gilles here and you reluctantly raise your hand and be like i'm yeah it's alex yeah i i I go by alex there you (laughs) You go so thank thank you for bringing back pleasant memories i'm gonna call you by your middle name tonight as we jump into the storm. This is really the the storm of the lockdown lowdown. Lots to talk about. We'll have a casual conversation about some of the things happening in the news because goodness knows in Canada, the US and internationally, there's just a heck of a lot going on. But I think something that you and I agreed on before we hit the record button here is, is Donald Trump. I mean, you know, you thought that, okay, Andrew and, and Alex, and Misha, we're all done with Trump. No, we're never done. We're never done. And so <laughs> Donald Trump became the first president of the United States to become indicted last week. Okay. March 30th, I believe it was. And uh, yeah, so basically the, the, and I'll get your full opinion on this, but just a little bit of background. He was indicted on charges of falsifying business records. This goes back to whether or not there was like some illegitimate use of funds from his campaign when he was campaigning to become the president of the United States back in 2016. And the reason for the controversy is because he paid hush money, or I should correct you and say his lawyer, uh, Cohen, who's first name i what's his first name uh andrew cohen or no 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 like that, or? Uh, it doesn't matter anyway his <laughs> his uh michael cohen doesn't matter leonard, doesn't no it's leonard cohen for no sure. no no it wasn't it wasn't any of the it wasn't the, the singer and songwriter leonard cohen I'll, I'll, leonard cohen i'll tell you that for sure anyways his lawyer basically secured $130,000 from a line of credit from his his home's equity in order to pay Stormy Daniels, that's her actor's screen name, by the way, who she's basically a porn star and a former stripper. He paid her hush money for basically- Sorry, sorry, erotic dancer. I'm sorry, erotic dancer. We have to be politically correct. I'm so sorry. Anywho- 
he paid Cohen, the lawyer, secured this $130,000 on behalf of Trump in order to pay hush money in order for Stormy Daniels to sign a non-disclosure agreement, an NDA, basically saying that she would not say anything publicly or to the press about her sexual encounter with Mr. Trump back when he was not even a, you know, he wasn't truly really in the presidential zone at this point. He was more so the, his focus of attention was the apprentice. He was the host of the apprentice and he was at this, I guess, like a golf club, like a, a celebrity golf event or something like that. And uh, he came across Stormy Daniels and they decided to, and this is right after, by the way, he got married to Melania Trump. This is one year after he got remarried. And his his son, Baron, was, I think, like just a baby at this point. And so he goes and has this affair. He goes and meets up in a hotel room or I guess or something like that and has sex with Stormy Daniels. Allegedly. 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 And so this is where the scandal was born. And I guess he had like promised her, oh, yeah, you can be on The Apprentice. We'll get you on The Apprentice. There's all these like he's trying to woo her and like impress her and everything like that. And of course, they end up having sex. And so fast forward, you know, there was a lot of people trying to, you know, National Enquirer was trying to pick up the story at some point. There was always press trying to pick up the story, always going back and forth. People, you know, they were fighting about around accusations and all this sort of stuff. And what really ended up happening was at the end of the day, the, you know, this lawyer comes in, forks up the cash and gets her to sign this NDA. And then there's questions around, was that campaign money? And so fast forward to now, there's been investigations going on and it, he was just in front of a grand jury um, and he may have to go to trial um, uh, you know, trying to defend whether or not he falsified these business records. So that's the background. Alex, jump in and uh, give me your take on Stormy Daniels and uh, Donald Trump. The Dalai Lama, Nelson Mandela, Jesus Christ, Donald <laughs> J. Trump. Great men. Um, great men are no stranger to political persecution. Uh, this is obviously a political attack, you know, right in the middle of of the Republican primaries. Um, you know, honestly, my my true feeling is complete um, resignation uh, because, you know, at this point, it's like the the boy who cried wolf. You know, yeah. we had the the Russia collusion delusion, which was completely and thoroughly debunked. Then we have the perfect phone call to Volodymyr Zelensky um, that they impeached him over. And that was just a big circus. And it really was a big nothing burger. They managed to get an impeachment out of it um, just because they had the majority in the, in the house. So, you know, good for them. Uh, and then you've got impeachment number two over the, the so-called insurrection of, on January 6th, which yeah. was yeah. also completely debunked just recently with the additional security video that was, that was released. Um, you know, this is another example of political theater. Uh, you know, the guy, Alvin Bragg is the, is the district attorney. 
when he was running for, um, you know, to be the district attorney, he was, you know, it's an election that takes place in order to get that role. Um, you know, he was campaigning saying, if I get in, you know, Trump is, Trump is going to get it, you know, like not in exactly those words, but, but, uh, you know, he's, he's trying to prosecute the man, not the crime. Um, you know, on top of that, it's, it's an extremely weak case. Um, all of the, the lawyers that I've heard talk about it and weigh in and give their two cents have all said that it's, it's like so weak um, they're trying to fold a state case into a federal case in order to dance around the um, uh, statute of limitations. Because, you know, if you recall the the election of, you know, 2016, that was a long time ago now. <laughs> yeah. And the the actual, uh, you know, payments that were made and the the records that were allegedly falsified and everything you know, that was before that. So we're yeah. looking at like eight, nine years ago yeah. or something like that, that this happened. So it's get, and, and not to mention the federal uh, prosecutors that passed on the case a yeah. long time ago, nothing really came of it. Um, you know, like this is also something that Donald Trump could have, um, uh, he could have pardoned himself before, leaving office he could have done that uh, but he did the president he, pardon him or herself yes i think yeah i didn't know that yeah the, i mean there's there's very little um precedent for it because yeah. like i don't think it's ever really been done but like strictly constitutional yeah. law you know there's nothing stopping you from doing it um, Fair enough. so so he could have done it uh he didn't because yeah. he didn't didn't really see the need to yeah, it's yeah. It, it's kind of a joke um yeah. and here they are proceeding with it at, at an inopportune time or maybe it's a maybe it's a great time for trump to be yeah. prosecuted as well because it's definitely getting a lot of attention yeah and i don't know if you've noticed uh, lately uh, it seemed like anything that he did, you wouldn't hear anything about it in the news. Like there was a blackout in the news. Like even when he announced he was running for, for uh, president and everything like that, you read through your news feed and there's nothing about it. They were sort of purposely blocking him out. Yeah. At this point, there's no, there's no way around it. They have to give him the, the, you know, the attention again, which is yeah, what he it, thrives on. And it begs the so you made some great points there. And you and I have gone time and time again, either with me or just you and I are all, we have gone time and time again over the all the theatrics, the events that have occurred throughout, either before, during, and after the Trump presidency. So this is this is not a shock to me on either side. Like it's not a shock to me. Like when I I remember when this broke. And I remember when I was working at a TV station and there was like 60 Minutes was running this story about Stormy Daniels and it was such a big scandal back in 2016. Was it though? Was it really a big scandal? In terms of like, and I know you're going to jump in and criticize the mainstream media, but just hear me out. In, in, when, it, when it was put through the mainstream media, like it was a big scandal, at least the way it was portrayed. And, and so I remember when that broke, it was, it was really, it drew a lot of attention. But I guess it brings up the age-old question, is all attention or all publicity good publicity, right? And to your point, like even though 
this shines a negative light on him in regards to like bringing up this like one of these negative you know scandals of the past that uh and one of something that colors him in a really sleazy light like cheating on his wife after one year of marriage when he has a newborn son and going and having this affair doesn't look good on someone who's running for re-election let's be honest no, 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 no. I, I, I'm going to stop you right there. I, okay. I think it's, I think it's totally fine. I mean, we're talking about the man that said, grab them by the P word yes. and then promptly <laughs> got elected to yes. the highest office so, in the land. You, and, and, and that's what I was kind of getting at before you jumped in there, but I hear what you're saying. And it goes back to what I was saying a minute ago is any publicity, even if it's negative publicity, good publicity. I think you just answered the question on that. And while I'm a, I'm staunchly opposed to Trump, and what, and if I had to put myself in the shoes of an American, you know, I would never, as an American citizen, if that, if I happen to be so, I would never support Trump. Um, I think he's just the epitome of boorish, uh, doesn't abide by the law. He's full of mis misinformation. He's just like the antithesis of what I want to see in a president. And you can definitely disagree with me all you want on that one. But at the end of the day, I think he has so many supporters that are going to, number one, so many supporters that are going to back him and defend him on this. And then the other thing is it's going to, as you said, it's going to forcibly bring him into the spotlight to, to, despite the fact that there's been these like kind of media blackouts against him. So I, I don't, dis even though I don't like him, I don't disagree with you. And this might actually be a, a service to him in terms of helping Get him in the limelight as he starts to plan his campaigning for for or continue his plan for his campaigning for I guess it's for 2024. Yeah. So I don't know, man. I think it's still pretty disgraceful. Um, the actions. This is just one of many disgraceful actions that he's taken. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah. do you think that do you think that like the case is like 100% politically motivated or do you think there's like any ounce of like of of some that of of, of someone wanting justice to be served here no it's a hundred percent politically motivated yeah. like name another person that has been charged with this crime like there fair aren't enough. any <laughs> there enough, aren't any enough. this is a this is a new territory in the law books um it's never been tried before They've never done it, uh, probably for a reason, because nobody cares. It really doesn't matter. Like uh, falsifying business records is is not really a crime. It's a it's a like like it's when you're misdemeanor. doing your what? No, when you're when you're doing your accounting, and you you create a line item and you call it something that it's not or something that's like kind of a gray area, um, you're not going to go to jail for that, and. Sure. You know, they're saying that, oh, he falsified business records in service of a greater crime, yet they never, Alvin Bragg himself never refers to what that greater crime is. Is it paying off Stormy Daniels? No, it's not. Because paying off Stormy Daniels is not a crime. Uh, claiming that that's actually uh, election, uh, what, do, what do you call it, when, you know, misusing funds in an election that's a stretch as well because you're you're basically saying that him paying off this woman to be quiet it helps him 
look better in an election. Therefore, anything you do that makes you look better in an election um, is you can write that off as a political contribution. So if, you know, buying a, a, you know, a fancy new car or something like that made you look better in your, in your election ad, you could write that off as a, but you can't do that because that's, that's not how, like, you can't have it both ways. You know what I mean? So I think like, we're going to see how it plays out. It's, it's going to set a precedent for sure. Um, you know, but the, the idea that paying off, uh, somebody for hush money and stuff like that, like, I think there's some people that might be taken aback by that, Yeah, but they should be reminded that that's actually not a crime and it's actually incredibly common. Um, you know, CEOs, respectable CEOs do that kind of stuff all the time. And when you're talking about something in the low 100,000 something, dollars that's not a very large amount that's enough that you might pay off somebody that's just talking a bunch of bullshit that's made up lies um, and you're just going to give them that money just to shut them up because you got bigger fish to fry right and so So. while while i don't necessarily fully disagree because i you know me personally I was reading the cover i was reading the coverage looking at the news stories i was really kind of trying to jump at this today and kind of analyze it for myself. And so obviously for anyone who's been monitoring this story in the last couple of weeks, it screams political. It screams and it, you know, it comes across very, very plainly as politically motivated. And I, I won't, I won't dispute that because it's, it's very clear. That's what it is based on looking at the facts. So I'm not going to dispute you there. What I will correct you on, and this is just minor, but I do want to make this clear to the listeners is at least from what I've read, falsifying business records, while it's not a felony, it actually is a misdemeanor. So it it is actually a crime. Um, And by itself, even if you've done that 32 times, like they're alleging 32 cases of falsified business records, those are 32 misdemeanors. What they're doing here, and maybe it's a stretch, maybe it isn't, is they're associating that with the larger crime potentially of using these campaigns. The, basically, the question comes down to is, where did his money come from? And if that money came as a result of, like, if Trump was able to fund, to pay back, and you're correct, it's Michael Cohen, I did double check it, if he was... Use, if he was drawing funds from his campaign to pay Michael Cohen back for his out-of-pocket where he had, because Michael Cohen, as I mentioned, had to pull it from his line of credit from his home. So if Mike is, if, if Trump is reimbursing him and it can be connected to the fact that it was coming from like campaign funds, that in itself- I don't, that, That's not, but that's it's not the prove. allegation. But that's part of it though. No, the, the allegation is that it should have been documented as a political contribution because it he paid uh he paid the lawyer out of his business um because the lawyer also worked for for trump like the trump yeah. international or whatever yeah um so i think he paid him from the business and yeah. he it should have been considered a can campaign contribution 
or something like that, according to what they're yeah. alleging. I don't, I don't see how that he, could, like, I don't see how paying off a prostitute is considered a, a campaign violation, but I, I don't know. It's, it's weird to me. Well, at the end of the day, I guess I have to it, ask you, if you were a, if you were an American, would you want a president of the United States who you know has openly had sex with a porn star representing your country? The thing about American politics is I've heard it described as the Olympics of the narcissistic sociopaths. Every single person in that in that building in that in Washington, they're all narcissists. They're all going to tell you whatever you need to hear. Um, and it's just one narcissist versus another, you know. So yeah, as an American, I would be deflated by the fact that these are the options. I would yeah. rather see good upstanding people, yeah. you know, like that, that remind me of George Washington and, and uh, Lincoln and, you know, people like that yeah. running, but that's just not how it is anymore. And, you know, when you have, um, you know, the, the military industrial complex, you know, you know, ramming this, this Ukrainian war down everybody's throats and stuff like that. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm going to take whichever sociopath narcissist is going to push back on that. And whichever one is in my corner and pushes issues that I give a shit about. You're going to pick the lesser of yeah. two eagles who's going to cut your taxes the most, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't really see him as evil. I, I think he's undisciplined, um, yeah. unsportsmanlike in yeah. many ways, like, you know, there's lots of things that he says that it's like, okay, that's, that's going too far or it's ignorant and offensive to large portions of the population and stuff like that, that like, obviously, you know, I'm not, like super on board with that stuff yeah. but i don't know maybe it's called for under certain circumstances who knows and you, you know you brought up an interesting segue there you mentioned the war in ukraine one of the things that i wanted to bring up was the fact that the international criminal court the icc recently put out a warrant for arrest for Vladimir Putin, as well as one of his associates. And so that's a perfect segue that you brought this up. And I want to ask you, obviously, this is a very, very powerful, symbolic gesture. Because don't forget, we are over one year. We, I think we're 14 months, I, at least, into mm -hmm. this war in Ukraine. And we have seen whole villages and cities demolished. We've seen war crimes. We've seen genocide. We've seen anything and everything, missile strikes, anything that you can throw at a country, <clears throat> Putin has done it. And one of the war crimes that's being discussed in many, you know, situations and, and it's being covered in the news, it's being discussed um, amongst many politicians is when you've crossed that line from warfare into like these really, really horrendous war crimes. And one of these war crimes that's being heavily reported on is 
the deportation of Ukrainian children across the border, whatever that border is now, into, into Russia and being assimilated into Russian um, culture and basically being taken away from their parents if their parents weren't killed in the first place and if they weren't orphans in the first place. And so, you know, obviously the community, the international community has come together and, and agreed through the ICC that Putin is a war criminal, which is something I think we all kind of knew years and years ago, but now it's official. And if he steps foot in any of these particular states that are bound to uphold this, he could be arrested coming off of a plane. Now, I don't think he's stupid enough to ever do that, to ever go to any of these countries that's bound to uphold this warrant, yeah. this arrest warrant. But what do you think about this move by the international community to put an arrest warrant, excuse me, arrest warrant out for Putin as well as one of his associates? Yeah, it sounds symbolic. Um, you know, it's not going to actually result in anything special happening, you know. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's this whole situation, it's really a shame for the Ukrainian people. Um, I find it very interesting that, uh, you know, Joe Biden's son was heavily involved in in the Ukraine, working for an energy company, uh, getting paid, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars a month, for, even though he has no experience in energy, um, you know. And then you know when when Trump calls uh, Zelensky and and you know even hints at the fact that uh, you know th this should be you know we should be looking into this, um, it really hit a nerve and it and it sparked the whole impeachment thing. Um, so I I can't help but think that there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes over there. Um, I know you can't trust the news on either side. Um, we, you know, when it comes to that conflict, you know, Russia's winning, uh, uh, Ukraine is winning, or they they won this territory, lost this territory. Uh, yeah. You know, kids are being victimized. Women are being victimized. I don't know. Who who knows? You you really, in a war zone, it's, it's a battle of, you know, guns and tanks, and it's yeah. also a battle of information. Uh, so, so you don't know. Yeah, and I and I think this goes back to your fundamental argument that you don't necessarily trust the mainstream media. And I, you know, even though I may not 100% agree with your stance on this, I understand it and I can, up to a certain extent, I can see where you're coming from, even though I don't necessarily agree. For me, even though you make a point in that I'll never fully understand like the truth unless you're at, unless you're actually at the ground zero where these where these battles are happening you'll never really know like what the truth is because you have to put a certain amount of trust and faith in the mainstream media which you obviously don't I have to choose to because that's what's available and so what I try to do is I will read articles from different organizations different publications to try to get like to my the best of my ability a well-rounded so so you listen you listen to cnn ctv and the cbc and that's a there you go there's oh well-rounded well there's very the well-rounded no but 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 um putting your putting your obnoxious comments aside for a second i i do try to look at material from different publications and i do i do try to read deeply into different situations um in order to have a to, in order to form an opinion and you and i can you and i can talk until we're blue in the face about the 
mainstream media, but let's just assume yeah. it's true. Um, some of the, at least some of these things. Um, th- I mean, this this has been a catastrophic war, and it didn't just start last year. It escalated last year, but really, if ever since the a- annexation of Crimea, I think it was in 2014. This has been an ongoing thing for eight or nine years now, and and at the end of the day, um, I believe. And again, you can go and argue about the mainstream media and whatever their narrative they're putting out there. But I believe to be true that Vladimir Putin will do whatever it takes. And that isn't, he is going to break international laws in order to do what he has to do in order to bring down, try and bring down the spirit of the Ukrainian people. And let me tell you, as a Ukrainian and as someone who's met other Ukrainians, it takes a lot to break down their spirits. But um, despite all those things, I, at the end of the day, I think him, he's, what he's doing here is crossing that line so far. Once you involve children in anything to do with war and take them away from their parents and into another country, force them to assimilate to your culture, like, you, you know, that's, that's crossing a major fucking line. I'm sorry. Yeah. If in fact that's actually what's going on, who knows? Um, why? Why that are you? Is, why that are you is definitely. Like, what, what would be the motivation for that? What's the motivation for the mainstream media to lie about that? Yeah, I, I mean, I I don't know that there is a motivation to lie. Of course, there's a motivation to lie about it. What are you talking about? <laughs> you sound you're, like a conspiracy you're saying, theorist. You're man. saying there's you that like there's not. not conspiracy theorist, man. You're saying that there's not a reason to make the other side look worse than they actually are? Of course, there's always a reason for that. But I, anyways, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong. It's, it's if anything, you know, it's it could be right. It sounds right. War is an awful, terrible thing. Um, but, you know, again, I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't think you can, I don't think you can say news coming back from, from the Ukraine is a hundred percent trustworthy on either side. You don't know, um, sure. but you know, like just assuming that that is true. Um, yeah, that, that is awful. And you know, whatever the ICC does, you know, totally makes sense to me. Um, my, my question to you, just to bring it back to um, Trump a little bit here, oh, uh, what, what do you think would have happened if Trump were in power? Do you think, uh, one of the one of the assertions that he makes is that this war never would have happened if Trump was elected. Uh, do you think that's true? He, uh, he that's a tough his one, record, man. That's a, that's a his tough record one. on see, war is pretty good. You got to give like, him that. I I feel like given some of the stances that we have seen Trump take in the past, I don't think he would be afraid to use his military might. To like cause some some uh, some shit in in uh, Russia. Like I'm thinking he would mm-hmm. send like helicopters and fighter jets. And I don't know, man. Like I think Trump would like would shake things up and start and and really bring the Americans truly in full force into that war. Yeah. Is that I, what you think? Well, I I I disagree. I I don't think that they would have pushed. Uh, to get NATO, uh, to get Ukraine into NATO and stuff like that. I think there's some things that wouldn't have happened to begin with that arguably sort of triggered this stuff. Um, also, I, I think, you know, part 
part of what you say is right. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to predict what Donald Trump would do. Yeah. Uh, you know, if if uh, Ukraine was facing aggression, an invasion of some kind, it's hard to predict what Trump would yeah. do. And because of that, he might not. I, I think there's a chance that he might not have done it. Yeah. Um, because because there's a chance that something could happen that he's not anticipating. Right. Whereas I think, I think uh, Biden was, this whole thing started, you know, fresh off the heels of the Afghanistan debacle. Yeah. Biden looks really weak, uh, you know, when it comes to military excursions, Um, it, it looked like a, you know, an opportune time and who knows what information Putin was going off of that, that, you know, somebody probably told him we could take Ukraine in a day or something like that. Um, so I don't know. I, I, you know, even though it's a ridiculous thing for anybody to, to say, if I was president, this would never have happened. Um, I tend to agree with them. Uh, you know, so, I don't I don't think that we'd be in this situation. He's a he's a very anti-war president. I think there's a lot of money involved in this as well, um, because every tank that gets sent overseas, every every, uh, you know, piece of artillery that gets sent overseas it has to be replaced. And yeah. there are companies bidding on those contracts and those those companies pay politicians, you know, all kinds of donations lobbying for um you know for things to happen for to get yeah. to get the ball moving here and i i think that uh, my theory is that that biden and the democrats you know they are obviously um you know very woke and very into you know diversity and inclusion but i feel like that's actually kind of a smoke screen for how war hungry they are and they they want uh, they want money to be spent in the in the arms yeah. industry more than anything. Well, you you know you make a point. I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be like a mil- I I don't have um a, I'm not a military expert and I'm not a, an expert when it comes to all the different conflicts that the U.S. has had over the last fifty or hundred years. I'm not going to sit here and be able like I know some of the basic stuff, but I'm not like I don't know in depth. The, the motivations for any president who sent their troops to any given conflict in the last 100 years. What I do know is that there has been some s- situations where U.S. has really just been hands-off in terms of like actually not wanting to send their troops in and rather, to your point, sending materials and s- sending support in the, in, in the, in the form of um, tanks, for example. So sending ar- armaments. Right. Mm-hmm. So so there's that that I don't want to say hands off, but there's the approach where you support the Ukraine and Canada's done this as well. And, and, and many nations, numerous nations have done this as well, where rather than actually sending troops on the ground, what they're doing is they're opting to like send, you know, send them um, supplies and, and, and armaments instead. Now, I guess the question becomes like if Trump was in office, like to what level maybe i'll backtrack a bit because again i i don't know trump's i don't know enough about his his stances on the military to predict whether or not he would have gone full force to like send troops in or if he would just would have given more armaments i don't i don't know i don't know i know that like 
he likes to be aggressive and show, you know, how big a player the States can be on the world stage. But I don't know what that would look like in, in the context of the war in Ukraine, had he still been in the White House. Um, but that opens up a whole other question, like, you know, could Canada or could the States be doing more? I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, for me, it's, it's more about, you know, this topic was more about is, I think most people can agree that this arrest warrant, while it is very, very powerful in the symbolism, in terms of what it, the message that it's sending, it's really just that. It's really just a symbolic, powerful statement and nothing more. Again, because knowing, going back to my earlier point, that he's not dumb enough to set foot in any country that would be obligated to arrest him. Yeah, it's a it's a sim symbolic move yeah. more more than anything, but uh, it's interesting, sort of. Um, but yeah, not. I don't know. Y you know, it's it is what it is, man. Like it's yeah. it's it's shitty that this this war is yeah. happening, and and I don't think Putin's gonna back down anytime soon. Uh, I could see nuclear weapons being used oh, sure. uh, as, as an exit to for this sure. war which is shock which is which is, which is terrible. shocking that we're actually talking about that yes. and and we're also talking about um the geopolitics of of russia uh, uh becoming allies with china you know like yeah. that's that's the very last thing that you want is oh, for, for russia sure. and china for sure the, the, the biggest country uh, you know, population wise yes. to team up with the biggest country land and resource wise, yes. you know, you get those two together and that's yes. a, that's a superpower on stage. That's another great segue you had. I'm going to, I'm going to take that segue in a second, but before I wrap up into and move on to the China situation. So thank you for that beautiful, beautiful segue. Once again, I just wanted to wrap up and on a serious note and say, this is going to sound obvious and it's going to sound a little bit, whiny but hear me out you would think that we would learn from history i have been watching i i enjoy world war ii documentaries and world war ii films and I, so i've been watching a documentary on netflix called the circle of evil and it's all about hitler's rise to power and the inner circle of the people who helped build the nazi movement because the nazi movement didn't happen overnight. It actually failed a few times. And so we, what we saw was, I'm going to go off on a bit of a stupor tangent, but I'm going to bring it back. Just bear with me. What we saw was in the, these extreme times, the German people pissed off after World War I, hyperinflation, um, the economy's going to shit. They're pissed off because uh, they're the laughingstock of Europe and they have to, re and they have to pay reparations reparations rep uh, I can't think of the fucking word because I'm tired but they have to pay back Europe for all the fucking damage mm -hmm. and so you have this boiler this boiler room fucking scenario where everyone's pissed off and so the Nazis the you know Hitler and his and his buddies in this in these beer halls are talking about these crazy ideals of nationalism and and um, wanting to unite the German people and and take over and whatever and all this sort of stuff take back parts of Europe and this and that and so obviously, and it took a long time, it took 10 years, but they finally got into power and you see this extremism 
um, where we see some of the most horrific things in in all of history, all of the 20th century happen, and, and some of the most gruesome and horrific things we've ever seen come out of war happen as a result of some of this of this of the, the inner workings of this man's mind and some of his colleagues in this inner circle of evil. And you would think a hundred years later that we would have learned that genocide is wrong. We would have learned that nuclear war is wrong. We would have learned that you know trying to annex other nations and take and take and take back territory through use of force is wrong. But we don't fucking learn it. And we come back at time and time again, and it's like it's almost like humans are predestined for war, and it really pisses me off. So before I go on to our next subject, now that I've had my stupart rant about how horrible humans are, do you think, Alex, and this can just be your like general opinion, do you think that humans will always cycle back like to to war? Or do you think that we'll ever learn and that we'll ever get to a place where we realize the damage that we're doing to each other and actually come up with passive solutions. Um, I mean, war is intertwined with money and power and resources and land. Um, you know, these are all things that, that, you know, people will fight and die for. Uh, I don't, I don't see any reason why war would become completely obsolete. Um, I think that the, the nuclear powers uh, having missiles pointed at each other has has cooled things down in terms of like yeah. all out global conflicts yeah. uh, which is good um you know like if there's anything good that can be said about about uh, nuclear weapons it's that we haven't seen a, yeah. a huge uh catastrophic war since the 40s yeah, yeah. um so that's good uh but you know, like it, it seems like the the going thing these days is the proxy wars, you know, like we yeah. we don't really want to get into war, um, but we want to sell all the munitions and the, the tanks and the artillery. Yeah. We still want to yeah. make money. So can we get some little country in Europe that nobody's ever heard of to fight their neighbor and then we can start sending yeah. sending tanks over there. Yeah. Um, you know, that's kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of shady, uh, shady behavior that, um, you know, like who knows if, if, uh, this was instigated by the U.S., but I think there's a very good yeah. possibility of it. Um, I think Biden's son was up to some really shady business over there, um, you know, along with the shady business that he, he'd been up to in China as well, taking yeah. taking yeah. so much money for China. And, you know, and they were caught red handed, you know, siphoning off, you know, some of that money and, and sending it to the big guy, Joe Biden. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, it amazes me that Biden isn't the one that's, that's uh, been arrested at been this arrested. Point. Like, yeah. And so like, it, so. it amazes me because like, yeah. we're talking, we're talking about falsified business documents because of a, a porn star or something. And meanwhile, we have Joe Biden's family, you know, we actually have like the actual records of the payments that were made yeah. from China to yeah. hit to various uh, members of his family. Yeah. Um, and you know, nothing's really happening with that. So just makes you wonder, you know, so I think, I think the, the, the thesis that you're bringing, the hypothesis or the theory that you're bringing forward is we're humans are just terrible people. 
Humans yeah. are just fucking terrible. That, that's why, like, you know, when someone says, oh, you know, Trump is uh, such a such a bad guy, he was, you know, not not very forthcoming to his wife and he had a new word. It's like, yeah, but look at all these people. Yeah. <laughs> look yeah. at all of these people. Yeah. They're all sick, sociopathic. Sick sociopaths. Just, yeah. Yeah. Terrible well, you know people. You know, you know what's interesting? Total side note for a second. I was reading a statistic the other day that 10% of executive class workers and corporations, like the executive teams, 10% of those types of people are actually have psychopathic traits. Yeah. And, and it's, it's amazing to me how people are not able to detect that. Like yeah. we, we can't detect it. Maybe they, Trump's they just like more it. open about how the fact that he's a psychopath. Yeah. It's almost like, I, I mean, I really think that, because Trump says all these things that you just really shouldn't say. It makes yeah. you feel like, okay, well, at least I know what he's thinking. He's yes. not, he's not yeah. hiding he's anything. Not hiding it. From yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whereas so, these other people, they're just like, they're just bullshit, just churning out bullshit. And you know, yeah, they're lying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, at, so le at least with Trump, it's like, he says something awful and terrible, but it's it's right there on Twitter. It's right there on Twitter. So you never have to guess at what he's thinking. So I think you can, you and I can, even though that we fundamentally disagreed on a couple different things tonight, which is why we're here. I think what we can agree on is that humans are shitty. War yeah. is a is a machine. It's a profit is a profit machine. And so I think you and I can agree on that. I think that you and I can agree on the on the idea that every time that the states or Canada or Australia or whoever sends a tank, they have to replace that tank. So it is definitely a commodity, these munitions, these fighter jets, these tanks. So you and I can agree on that. We can, we can also, I think, probably agree on that some, you know, people won't cross the line in war and we have to call people out on it, all that sort of stuff. But something you said a little bit earlier, and it was a perfect segue, was China. So we've talked about Trump. We've talked about you know, the international stage and everything that's happening in Ukraine, I would be remiss if I do not mention Ken Don, who's actually my MP here in the Don Valley North, in North York. And uh, he was elected in 2019 and re-elected in 2021 as an MP as part of, and also part of the Liberal Caucus. Okay. Oh, oh you don't say. You don't the say. Liberal the liberal, the liberal caucus who <laughs> surprise surprise no i didn't vote for him by the way just just pointing it out there i did not vote for him you can tell by my blue shirt even though you and i disagree on some things i'm wearing a blue shirt right now that stands for my conservative conservative party of canada uh <laughs> you know sentiments these days anyways anyways i digress the point is handong liberal mp part of the liberal caucus under trudeau's government has been accused in the media and from numerous political players of having ties to the Communist Party of China, like the Chinese government, and basically having some interference with Canadian affairs. And the and these strained Canadian-China relations date back, in, in, at, at least in terms of the, the most recent shifts, date back to the the executive of Huawei, Meng Wanzhou, I hope I'm saying her name right, I'm probably butchering it, but Meng Wanzhou, 
um, who was arrested on Canadian soil. I think it was back in 2016, 2017 for some of the scandalous stuff that was going on with Huawei. And so Canada, she landed on in Vancouver on Canadian soil and was detained. And so in retaliation, or at least people, everyone believes it was real, uh, retaliation, two folks by the name of Michael, who happened to be in China, were arrested and held in Chinese prison for over a thousand days. And it was interesting the fact that the day that um, this Huawei executive, the chief financial officer of Huawei was sent back to China very shortly after the two Michaels were released from Chinese incarceration. And so there was this trade-off of, oh, you know what? You, you gave us our executive back. Here's your two, your two Michaels back. And so there's been that strain on the China-Canadian relations. And then just to make things worse, you've had the, the spy balloons going around. Mm -hmm. And then on top of the spy balloons, you've had this latest story breaking about um, Han Dong, who's now sitting as an independent. He resigned from cabinet and he removed himself from the Liberal Party. He's now an independent. And so there's a lot of questions around the influence that China has on Canadian politics. So I'm kind of wondering, since you brought it up, the, the topic of, of China, what your thoughts are of China, both in terms of relationship with Canada, but also on the world stage and some of the allegiances that they have on the world stage. Yeah, I mean, uh, China, China's just fucked, man. It's just a, it's just like, there's no other way to look at it, but they're, they're our enemy. Like they are, they act like an enemy much more than they act like a friend, you know, like it's, it's brutal, man. Like they've got unknown numbers of, of our politicians that were on the payroll. Um, you know, there's, there's election integrity for the first time in my memory has been thrown into question in Canada, which is uh, shocking. Um, you've got Justin Trudeau uh, refusing to uh, cooperate with the proper investigation into this, um, probably because he's receiving money directly from China. Not, would not surprise anybody <clears throat> one bit. Um, you know, it's it's disgusting, man. Uh, like it's treasonous. It's absolutely treasonous for for you know um, other countries to be interfering with our political process. Um, you know, these anybody that's found taking money from from China, American or Canadian, um, you know, I think I think they should be sent to prison. I think there should be actual jail time for that. I don't see how it's anything other than treason you know in a wartime scenario if you had politicians that were that were accepting money from from your enemy that would you know that would be um that would definitely be something that would put you in jail for sure so yeah. I, and you know saying that we're not at war with china is like is like saying that the United States wasn't at war with Russia. It's like, yeah, yeah but they, it's a cold war. They, it's not, it's, it's not an, war. it's not a troops on the ground war by yeah. any stretch of the imagination. Um, but it's, it is like that kind of cold war feel where you know that, that things are brewing on the other side. And the scary thing is, is that because of the nature of their regime, they could kick our asses pretty, pretty bad. 
Well, dude, like it, it's it's scary how much influence they have in Canada right now. Like, yeah. like just in terms of trade and everything like yeah. that, they have so much influence over us. Yeah. And and did you hear about these Chinese police stations in Canada? Like actual police stations in Vancouver and in some, uh, I think the other one was in Montreal or Toronto or something like that. Actual Chinese police stations. Yeah. And they're, yeah. they're obviously policing like the Chinese people that live yeah. in that area or something and like going and arresting a, a Chinese Canadian citizen and, and, you know, like putting them in handcuffs. And I assume like throwing them in a shipping container back to China or something yeah, like that, yeah, yeah. where they just disappear. Like, yeah, that's scary, man. It's how scary is it that, shit, they, how is it that they're operating Chinese, uh, uh, Chinese police stations in Canada? Yeah. Like there has to be, there has to be some level of cooperation from yeah. Canadian authorities. There has to be like, how else could you get away with that? It's so brazen. It's honestly, China has no respect for Canada. No. And, and I think that's a hundred percent, Justin Trudeau's fault. Who yeah. would respect Canada when you have a leader like this? Yeah. And, and he just gets away with scandal after scandal after yeah. scandal and people keep, keep electing him. Doesn't matter. You well, know, you know, like, I really think the Huawei thing, I'd have to like look more into the history because it wasn't always like this. Like it, it wasn't always as heated um, the way it is now. But I think really the Huawei, you know, situation was kind of like the starting point that started the snowball to get us where we are now, right? And it just shows how reta the retaliatory vengeance seeking mentality that they have in the sense that I think it was the responsibility the and that Canada fulfilled this responsibility by taking uh taking the Huawei executive into custody yeah. right that was the right thing to do but what China did was 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 retaliate and they never admitted it, obviously, but they retaliated by taking the two Michaels into custody. And that was just this just, just being this snowball effect to the point now where we're we're looking at these spy balloons flying over the states, flying over Canada, sweeping it under the rug. And then now we've gotten to this point where this Han Dong has resigned and sitting as an independent MP, has the spotlight on him, a lot of the magnifying glass on him to some of his ties um, to different different folks in the in the Communist Party, and then on top of that, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, I totally lost my train of thought. Where was I going with this? Ooh, I'm having a stew part moment I, here. I I, f I feel like there's um, you know, like there's a common theme with everything we're talking about here. It's like major political figures that should be arrested and put in yeah. prison right yeah. it's like here you go you've got donald trump who's who's not even in elected office right now he's yeah. the one that's being pulled in front of this kangaroo court for you know very a, a very weak case on something yeah. that's probably 
hit the statute of li- limitations a long time ago. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, you've got other politicians that are up to some very sketchy behavior. Yeah. Much of it is obvious and well-known and they're not facing any consequences. Um, oh, I remember what I was going to say. Speaking of not facing consequences, you jog my memory. So yeah, we talked about Trump and the statute of limitations. We talked about, you know, all this sketchy, these really sketchy politicians who are in, who are, you know, getting away with a lot in these current times. Um, what I was going to say was, as we as we further explore this whole China Canada relations thing, because you talked about how you've talked time and time again about how corrupt Justin Trudeau is, and I'll tell you, he's not my number one favorite politician. That's for sure. I think you and I can both agree that we've had enough Trudeau. We've had enough, and he's a super corrupt uh, leader, and there's been a lot of times where I've scratched my head and asked questions where things don't seem right with with Trudeau. And something that doesn't seem right is him appointing the former governor general of Canada to be the special rapporteur who's going to do the investigation of this (laughs) <laughs> no no thank let's you not, for bringing that let's, up let's not have an, indep- an independent body do a full inquiry and do a full investigation of this political interference by China let's appoint someone who nonetheless was a, was a former representative of the Queen to do it that he appointed to that, that position <laughs> yeah. who probably owes him something yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. So just, you know, at the end of the it's day, hilarious. I, it's yeah. hilarious that this yeah. guy keeps getting reelected. And, yeah. and I don't know, I mean, like this whole thing kind of calls into question the, the election. It's like, maybe it was a bullshit election. I don't know. I yeah. mean, I, I always felt pretty confident in uh, elections, Canada and everything like that. But I don't know with all this stuff, I'm thinking, Maybe maybe our elections are not exactly uh, ironclad. Maybe there's no such thing as a as a completely secure, secure election. election. Yeah, yeah. and it, and it kind of goes back to Cambridge Analytica, and it, you know, in the states. And we talked we talked on previous episodes of the podcast around social media, you know, social media and the manipulation of social media in order to influence voters mentalities when it comes to preparing for an election and running election campaigns but then the other element of that and i almost see the parallel here russia interfering with the 2016 election parallel to china interfering with the 2019 and 2021 canadian elections and it just so happens that russia and china seem to be pretty buddy buddy these days like China, China and Russia, like they're 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 pretty tight in terms of being like allies with each other, and so it doesn't really come as a surprise to me that there is numerous occasions of 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 people showing concern around Russia interfering with the U.S. and then China interfering with Canada. It just seems like there's there's some there's some pretty shady fucking stuff going on yeah i don't know man 
it's all kinds of shady shit. And I, and I would, I would definitely group in this Donald Trump, uh, yeah. Uh, arraignment into the mix yeah. i think it's just just another corrupt kangaroo court thing that's going yeah. on i mean let's be real even uh, though it's... even though i don't like trump, as i said earlier like i've never liked trump and whenever you and i've spoken on the podcast i've always been greatly opposed to like a lot of the things he's done and the way he's run his campaigns and the way he's conducted himself in office but if i had to agree with you on something i would say that this is just all for the, it's all politically motivated, this court case. That said, I'm still interested to see what the outcome is. So let me ask Alex, we've been on for about an hour. Do you have time for one more or should we, should we wrap her up? I think let's wrap it up for okay. today. We got okay. some other stuff we want to talk about, but let's uh, let's do another episode sure. um, soon and we'll, we'll cover sure. some other stuff. I'd love to get into uh, chat GPT um yeah and uh like that's a really interesting yeah. thing that's going yeah. that's going down and uh we could see a lot more a lot of changes uh in our lives as yeah. a result of this so yeah and you know that that's a good teaser that. we won't get into it tonight we be it's you know it's 11 30 we've been doing this for an hour and we've we've really covered a lot of international as well as local politics tonight so i think we've we've had that that political theme going on, but what I will do to tease for the next episode, couple of episodes, definitely automation and uh, open AI and all the technology that they're working on with their chat system. Super, super interesting. Still wrapping my head around it, but it's really, really interesting, but also kind of scary. And another thing that I want to throw to for another episode, and I did a solo episode on this, about six or seven months ago was the Shaw Rogers merger, which was just approved. So stay tuned. We will talk about AI and, and, and automation and all that kind of cool stuff on the technological side. And we will definitely jump into the Shaw Rogers merger, which was the biggest merger in Canadian history, you know, combining two um, Shaw communications, bringing that under the Rogers umbrella, so stay tuned for that. But for now, it's Alex Gilles Pope, as well as Andrew Stupart on the Lockdown Lowdown, signing off for now. Thank you so much, and have a great night.